You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon We have come to the fifth of our studies from the book of Colossians, when the Apostle Paul will emphasize the reasons for thanksgiving, thankfulness, and I think that they all apply to us. And the passage that we're going to be studying this morning especially has a lesson for us, a very important lesson in this day and age. I hope I'll be able to get it across in such a way that it'll impress us, each one of us, as we go on about our Christianity. In about 110 A.D., Pliny, a Roman governor of a province of the Roman Empire, wrote a letter to Trajan, who was the absolute ruler of all of the Roman Empire. His problem was those Christians, those Christians who get up early on a particular day, And they gather together, and they sing praises to a Christ as if he was God. And I don't know what to do with them. And the solution was persecution and death. Our text this morning is about 50 years before that. And it comes in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And I hope that you have a Bible available. I know there are some in the pews. That you'll be able to look with this passage with me and see the words for yourselves. This passage is not really just about music. But it's about something otherwise. Something very important to us. And so read with me from Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 and 17, from the New American Standard Version. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. Throughout the history of Churches of Christ, there have been conflict over the various parts of our worship service. Many of those conflicts centered around music, sometimes even to the division of congregations as to what type of music we're to be engaged in. And yet I want you to notice that at the end of verse 16 is the statement with thanksgiving in your heart to God. Rarely ever in the conversations about our music does thankfulness play a part. And yet there's got to be something here within these two verses that will help us to appreciate and understand who we are as members of the body of Christ. Churches of Christ are a product of something that happened in America 
in the 1800s. In the early 1800s, there were a number of individuals who were just very disappointed in the denominational offerings of the day. They sought for some other explanation how to reach out to God. And out of that was born what is called the Restoration Movement. And we are a product of that Restoration Movement. It simply meant that we're going to open our Bibles again and we're going to seek to find the blueprints of what the church ought to be like in its plan of salvation, in its worship, in its organization, and in the lives of its members. I found very interesting another restoration way back in the Old Testament. It illustrates so very well what happened in the 1800s and which grew to where we are to this very day in the world. And so I want you to turn back with me to Nehemiah, of all places, to Nehemiah chapter 12. And while you're turning back, let me mention to you that the children of Israel had been in Babylonian captivity for 70 years because of turning away from God. They ultimately were blessed by Cyrus, king of Persia, sending some back to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem under Ezra. The book of Ezra is all about that rebuilding process. When you come to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is sent back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. When you come to Nehemiah chapter 12, the temple is up. The walls are up. And so Nehemiah will call for a restoration of their worship to God. If you're a song leader, I want you to especially listen to verse 45 and verse 46 in Nehemiah chapter 12. They performed the worship of their God and the service of purification together with the singers and the gatekeepers in accordance with the command of David and his son Solomon. Now watch carefully. For in the days of David and Asaph, in ancient times, there were leaders of singing, songs of praise, hymns of thanksgiving to God. Two or more thousand years later, the Apostle Paul will write to the Christians in Colossae and encourage them to sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs in praise to God. And this morning we sang songs, hymns, spiritual songs in thanksgiving to our God. And may it go on and on and on in our lifetime. Restoration is a beautiful word, and that's what we are a part of. We can never let down our guard. We can never feel that it's the work that is already done, but we always must become acquainted with the blueprint, Scripture. The Apostle Paul will make a mention 
of something over in chapter 1, about verse 26, of the mystery made known. He will also say this in the book of Philippians and in the last of the book of Romans, a mystery kept secret in the mind of God from before the foundation of the earth, but now revealed to the Colossians and revealed to us as we open our Bibles and look at Scripture. And so think with me a little bit about what is in these two verses and how they give us a direction for our spiritual lives to make us feel good about our relationship to God. First of all, I want us to look at verse 16. And you will notice that it's really not just about music. It's not just about singing praise to God. But it's about what's in our hearts. If you look at the verse again, coming back to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all teaching, admonishing one another, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness where? In your heart to God. That's what it's all about. What's going on in our hearts to God. That's what makes worship so special. That's why we gather together. If you look again at verse 16, There are two reasons here. Number one, we teach and admonish one another. You know my favorite song is Count Your Blessings. But I want you to think of that song for just a moment from this standpoint. When you sing, count your blessings, name them one by one, who are you speaking to? You're speaking to the individual next to you. You count your blessings Name them one by one. And that individual beside you, who are they speaking to? They're speaking to you. They're telling you, count your blessings. Name them one by one. We're teaching one another. On occasion, a song will come along that will admonish us. That will admonish us. And so, as Paul describes this young congregation in Colossae, he wants them to understand the place of singing. But there's a second reason here. And that second reason is that it is the only way outside of prayer that we can offer thanksgiving to the God of heaven. Do you ever think about the words that we sing and what they say to God and how there is no other way for us to tell God how thankful we are than with our voices. We're thankful for individuals who have been over the years able to write down our feelings, our emotions in songs. And for song leaders, just as in Nehemiah's time, who can help us as we sing praises to our God. What a special thing, this opportunity this ability to sing. You say to yourself, well, I don't have a very good voice. That's why we sing together. 
That's why we sing together. You drown me out. That's fine. That's fine. God knows I'm singing. But again, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we think of Nehemiah. And it is so relevant. What it tells me is this. That when the Colossian Christians read this, this was not foreign to them. If they think of their ancestors, 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 clear back to the time of Nehemiah, they will remember hearing how they had song leaders and how they sang praises to God in thanksgiving. It's not something new. It's been around forever, or at least from the time of Nehemiah, from the time of David, who started it. And so when we look at verse 16, and we see all the debates and all the arguments and all the division and all the contention over what we ought to do away of music, we forget the thankfulness and we must sing. We must let our hearts out in our voices. But again, when we look at this passage, Look at the first line of verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. If you go back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul will be thankful for what he called the fruit-bearing gospel. He says that fruit-bearing gospel has gone over the known world of the day. And when that word has gone out, it has borne fruit. When you come over to chapter 1, verse 25 and 26, it's about the word of God. And then you come down to verse 26, and it's the mystery made known. I love Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, about verse 15 and following. That by revelation there was made known to me the mystery. I wrote it down, and when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Wonderful. Here it is in black and white. Just as the Colossians read it, so we read it. And so when we look at that passage, we realize You'd be hard-pressed to say that other forms of music than what is mentioned here, because of silence of Scripture, got to be okay. No, because silence of Scripture is canceled out in the words, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Now, I want to connect this to something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now watch. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What is the first line of verse 16? 
Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Now, since we're on the subject, let me suggest that we think about how we might replace this thanksgiving, this thankfulness. After all, singing and thankfulness, according to this verse, go together. We can't separate them. We sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness to God. You can't separate them. But over the years, going back to about 1850, there have been efforts to try to separate. And so I've jotted down some possibilities to take the place of thankfulness. Number one, songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness is not what we want. Well, that won't work. Because after all, we're thinking about our relationship to God. Another one that was tried in the late 1800s was we need to keep up with the Joneses. And this is how that worked out. The church down the street has a large organ. We're building a new building. We need a bigger organ than the church down the street. That is pretty unreasonable arguing or thinking. Well, another one, our, and this was tried in 1850 in Midway, Kentucky. Our singing is so terrible. It sounds like screeching birds. We've got to do something about it. And they brought in a mandolin, which divided the congregation. But our singing is not screeching. I think it's pretty good. On occasion, the song leader will stop and say, you sound really good this morning. And I think we do, most of the time. I'll just keep silent if it's not that way. So you can go on. But again, here's another one. Let's take a vote. That was tried a multitude of different times. Let's take a vote. And those don't work with Thanksgiving. In fact, every single one of them cancels out Thanksgiving. You can't try those things and still have Thanksgiving. It just doesn't work. Now, we have one more little verse, but it's not really a little verse. It is huge. Look at verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There it is again, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, in word or deed. I want you to look back for just a moment to verse 15. Is there something in verse 15 that goes along with what's in verse 17? See any connection to that? Supposing you have the peace of Christ ruling in your heart, then does that make verse 17 easier? I think it does. You know, the most wonderful thing in the world 
is to feel at peace with God. To know that when you pray for whatever it may be, he's going to hear you. And he's going to do what's best for you. There's nothing like gathering together as Christians, as the body of Christ. You individuals that went down to Tri-Cities yesterday to be with the other Christians, nothing like it. I remember an occasion when my son, I believe, was in Abilene Christian University. And we went to their lectureship. And in the evening, we went to a Saturday evening for some reason. There was something that happened in a small congregation in Abilene, Texas. And then later on Sunday morning, we went out to where he was going to church in a little congregation outside of Abilene. Abilene was probably maybe 100 people. And that evening, we went to a congregation in Abilene. And the building was so big that you couldn't see from one side to the other and recognize anybody. And there were several thousand people there. In every one of those three places, no matter the size, there was a feeling of peace with God. And you can't beat it. There's nothing in the world out there that can offer the peace of verse 15. And so we look at this verse, and is there anything that doesn't fit verse 17? It's big enough to cover every facet of our worship. It's big enough to cover every facet of the church's work. It's big enough to cover our lives when we leave here and go out into the world. That little verse, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, if that's a kind of a measurement, I use levels sometimes in my carpentry work. You know, a level is just that. It keeps you level. And this passage is like a level. Whatever you do, check with God. Check with Christ. If you don't have any little voice in your ear that say you shouldn't, then you're fine. And then give thanks to God. When we look at Colossians 3, verse 15 through 17, and the three times that the Apostle Paul will encourage them, exhort them to thanksgiving. I believe I'm beginning to understand how important it is in our Christian life. Thanksgiving is a recognition. I recognize what I'd be without God. One of the blessings of getting old, if I ever get old, is to be able to look back. Memory is a wonderful thing. And to know that God opened some doors for you 
whether it's the mate I'm married to or the family I have, or you, or the multitude of people I've known, from Long Beach, California, to Eugene, Oregon, to Albany, Oregon, to Vallejo, California, to Yakima, Washington. The church offers you something that you can't get anyplace else. And that's the tragedy for those who have not had a very good, strong hold on their faith. And a little bit of sickness has caused them to let go. Don't let go. Don't let go. There are going to be very difficult things that happen in our lives. The Apostle Paul was in a Roman prison when he wrote this. Amazing that seven times in four chapters he will call for thanksgiving. And so you and I can do the same for ourselves. We come together as worship. Don't forget to bring your heart with you. When you go out that door, may your heart be stronger. If there's some way that we can help you this morning to help you to understand the thankfulness, or as Paul put it in one place, overflowing with gratitude to the God of heaven, let us help you. Elders will be more than happy to talk with you. Deacons will be more than happy to talk to you. I'll be more than happy. I've done it before. I'll do it again. I'll be sitting on this pew as we sing an invitation song. If there is some way I can help you, let me know. Let us know. We will lift our voices in prayer to God in your behalf. Would you come while we stand and sing?